This is a podcast from Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk. Good morning. It's great to, to be here this morning. Um, this is one of my favourite churches to visit. Um, I've been here a few times now and you guys always give us as a family uh, a very warm welcome and make us feel like part of the Hope Church family. Some of my p- favourite people come to this church. Obviously four of them are away on holiday um, and I hope they're having the most wonderful, amazing time uh, where they are over in Croatia. Um, I have seven uh, nieces and nephews and don't tell anyone, but the two that come here are my favourites. Jack and Hugo. I could get emotional. They are my favourites. They are two little stars. Is it wrong to have favourites? Um, I get ribbed by my two younger brothers that I am the favourite. My family nickname is the Golden Child because in their eyes... I can do no wrong. We only have one daughter. We only have one child, so naturally she is the (laughs) favourite. I wonder if you have favourites, favourite people perhaps, or a favourite friend, or perhaps a a favourite film star, or a a favourite band. I wonder if you have any Bible favourites. I do. My gramps would tell me that I should love them all, that God put them in there for a reason and that they're all there and we should love them all. But I have, I have two favorites in particular. In the Old Testament, Moses. He is my absolute favorite. I think Moses is ace. Everything about his story is brilliant. I love him to bits. And in the New Testament, it's, it's another man. A man who for some time in his life, everything he could to destroy in the church. A man who made it his own personal crusade to obliterate anyone associated with Jesus and the church that he started. A man who dragged men and women from their homes and threw them into prison. A man who sat on councils and authorized the sanction and the death of these people that followed Jesus. A man who considered himself the worst sinner ever. A man whose life took such a dramatic dramatic transformation, it makes you simply stand back and say, wow, what an amazing example of God's grace. If God could change the life of this man, if Jesus could reach into the heart of this man, then there is no one. That is beyond saving. Let's read together, because this is a brilliant story. We're going to be looking, if you've got a Bible, I think the words are going to be up there. It may be very slightly differently worded, because I think this is the most modern version of the NIV, and mine's a little bit older, so the words might be slightly different, but we're going to read in Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priests and asked for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any... There, who belonged to the way, whether man or woman, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. 
As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias? Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him. Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered into. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from the eyes of Saul, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to teach and preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. I need to crack on. When I spoke to Matt uh, earlier in the week, um, I asked him how long uh, I was expected to speak for, because I have been known to go on a bit. If I get a bit excited by a Bible story, I, I, I can get carried away uh, and go on too long. And he suggested, and I quote, between 17 and 24 minutes, which I thought was oddly specific. Um, <laughs> But I'll try and drop within that time scale. If you want to listen to the recording afterwards, Alison, just time it and let me know if I've gone over or above, uh, over or below. Uh, um. But this is a story of Saul, who later became known by his Roman name, which was Paul. And if you've read this before, pretend you haven't. Take a look at this story with fresh eyes. If you've never read about this event before, prepare to be humbled by how much God loves us. Even the worst of us. And see what a change can be made in your life. It's a dramatic story. It's the story of a young man on a rampage. A man who was quite literally tearing up the church. He was out to destroy God's work. 
We have a man who is not content with just trying to wipe out the church in Jerusalem, but he's also out there to destroy those who have fled Jerusalem. He's coming after those as well. In verses 1 and 2, we see that Paul pays a visit to the high priest and he requests some letters. Letters that he can take to Damascus, a city that is 150 miles away. Somewhere between four and six days journey. These are quite literally extradition letters. These are documents that give Saul the authority to drag anyone sharing God's word back to Jerusalem so that they can be punished. They'll be thrown in prison and potentially put to death. This guy is obsessive. He has a single vision and sees himself as some kind of crusader against the church that was started by the teachings of Jesus. And then we have this event that took place as he got to the end of his journey just outside Damascus. Perhaps on day five or six of traveling, marching along with his extradition papers under his arms, we see a light from heaven and it surrounds Saul. And in, in, not in honor or in reverence, but in absolute fear and trembling, Saul falls to the ground. And it's one of those occasions, which I think I've referenced here before, that it's one of those occasions where I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have been there to, to see this happen. As this voice speaks to Saul. And what does it say there in verse 4? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? We don't know with what sort of feeling these words came from God. Whether they were spoken in anger. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Or perhaps they were said in a more mild manner as Saul, why do you persecute me? But there is no question in Saul's mind that this is a deity. This is, this is God. This is a voice from heaven. This is a holy being speaking to him because he says, Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? There are two further accounts in Acts that record Saul's conversion. And we learn in Acts 22 that Saul not only said, Who are you, Lord? But he also said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want me to do? I want you to imagine being laid prostrate on the ground, petrified from a bright light shining from above, hearing a voice that is unmistakably coming from heaven, Bearing in mind that you spent the last few months trying to destroy the church and you ask the question, who is this? And this is the reply that you get. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. I imagine at that moment, Paul's whole world just completely unraveled. How could he have been so wrong? 
The men with him, they, it says that they heard the sounds, but they didn't hear what was said. Saul gets up from the ground only to discover that he cannot see, he is blind. He can't see. His companions, they have to guide him. They have to take his hand and they have to lead him into Damascus. I wonder if this is just a case of my overactive imagination because I I like filling in the blanks in between the verses, but I like to think that those letters that he asked for, I like to think that, I like to think those letters never made it into Damascus. I like to think that those letters of extradition, I like to think that they were left on the road. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us this, that therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. For three days, Saul cannot see a thing. His eyes are blinded. The trauma and shock of what has happened makes him unable to eat or drink for three days. And then he is visited by this man, Ananias. I really like this guy, Ananias. I I, I really like him. I have this checklist and I joke about it at the church where we go and I have a checklist and I don't know how I'm going to get this checklist into heaven. I have no idea. I've not thought that through far. But I have this checklist of people I want to find in heaven and just to ask them what it was like. It's a long list. Uh, and Ananias is on there. And I like this guy because I love his response when God tells him to go and speak to Saul. Because he signed his, his reply is almost, you're joking, aren't you? Do I have to? I've heard about this fella. Saul's reputation was such that Ananias was fearful of even approaching Saul. But Ananias visits Saul, who is exactly where God tells him he would be. And Ananias places his hands on Saul. And in that moment, Saul's life is transformed. Saul's life is transformed. The Holy Spirit enters into Saul's body. And Saul is born again. Saul receives salvation. Saul's eyes are opened. Not only visually, but spiritually. He now sees the world in a whole different light. There cannot be much more of a transformation that one that took place in the life of Saul. I could get carried away talking about this story. It's only 20 verses, but the consequences of what took took place in those 20 verses not only shaped the church that we have today, but it provides so many lessons of guidance for us over 2,000 years later. There are, as I say, just 20 verses that we've read. And there are at least 20 lessons that we could learn. But very briefly, in almost bullet point fashion, there are just five lessons this morning that I want us to remember. There are three spiritual lessons and two practical lessons. And the first spiritual lesson is this. And this gets me right there when I share this with you because... 
This means a lot. God can change even the hardest heart. God can change even the hardest heart. There are those who come along to services like this for years. People who come time and time again. And hear how God sent his son to die for them. And they are completely unaffected. And it seems as if they have a wall around them. That the incredible fact that God's love is there and that God wants them. And that he wants them to spend eternity with them. And for some people it's just lost. There are those who come along to services like this and they really enjoy it. They enjoy the songs and the fun and the people are really nice. But the bit about Jesus dying for their sins, that's the bit that just keeps banging against a brick wall. Saul dedicated his life to destroying the church. To wiping out the message of Jesus. Yet God changed his life. He did the unthinkable and changed the unchangeable. Spiritual lesson number two. God uses the most unlikely people. The most unlikely people. What did God say about Saul to Ananias? He is my chosen instrument. He would have been the last person that anyone in those days would have imagined that God would have chosen. Saul went from being the persecutor to being the greatest evangelist that would ever live. Sharing God's message and laying down the fundamental instructions for the church that we have today. You know, perhaps you think you are unusable. Perhaps you don't think that you have got a gift Don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. Because God thinks different. What was the question that Saul asked the voice that he heard on the road? What do you want me to do? Perhaps that should be your question this morning to God. Lord, I want you to use me. I don't know how. I'm not sure if I've got the right gift what do you want me to do? I can't promise that there will be a light from heaven and you'll be blinded for three days and then he'll show you. But it will become clear. God will, if you want to be used, God will use you. Spiritual lesson number three. Blind. Blind. We must guide those amongst us who appear blind to God's message. Those traveling with Saul, they had to help him, didn't they? And I genuinely believe that as a church, we too have the responsibility to guide people. Not everyone is going to find God on their own. Not everyone is going to find God on their own. I pray that we might see others within our church whose eyes have 
not been opened and that collectively as a church we might guide them where God will ultimately touch their lives. And then there's the two practical lessons we can get from this. And this should really resonate with this church because I know you've experienced this very recently. And that's the baptism. Being baptized. Saul was baptized immediately. Baptism is such an important step in the life of anyone who has asked Jesus into their life. It's not really an option. It's not a take it or leave it. It's not a do or I don't. When Jesus left this earth uh, and began uh, preparing heaven for us, he left us with very few instructions in truth. He left us with four very clear instructions, though. He asked us to remember him, which we'll be doing shortly. He asked us to tell others about him. And he asked us to baptize them. Very quickly, if you read the very last two verses in the Gospel of Matthew, these are the words of Jesus. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the ages. You know, there is no time scale in the Bible for when baptism must take place. There are a few examples in the Bible where people were baptized immediately after giving their lives to Jesus. But the act of baptism is something that God desires of each one of us. And finally, the second practical lesson is this. To preach. To preach. Verse 20 of the chapter we read there. Think about where Saul had come from. For weeks and months he had been destroying everything to do with Jesus and this church. And then after his experience upon the road, having been blind by the light, verse 20, at once he began to preach in the synagogues. At once. Saul couldn't wait to start and tell others about the fact that he had found faith and trust in a God. And that the fact that the truth of Jesus was real. He wanted everyone to know the same love and the same grace that he had been shown. In his letter to the Philippians, this is what Paul wrote. This is what Saul, who later became known as Paul, wrote. For me, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He is an example that we will never match. God chose him specifically to be the greatest evangelist of all time. To be the instrument that would take the message of salvation across the world. But we can take inspiration, can't we? From a man whose life was a path of destruction that became an amazing path of evangelism. You know, there's so much that takes place in these few verses. 
Please take time to read it again when you get home. But just take those five lessons with you this morning. That God can change even the hardest heart. That God will use the most unlikely people. That we must guide those amongst us who appear blind to God's word. And that we should be baptized. Because that was one of God's wishes for us. That we would declare to others our faith. And that we should want to tell others in the same way. And with the same passion that this man Paul wanted to. Shall we just pray? Lord and Heavenly Father, just thank you for, for this message. For the life of the life of Saul. For the amazing change that you made in Saul's life. A man who was bent upon destruction. A man who was so against your word. So against the preachings and teachings of your son. Who had his eyes closed but ultimately had his eyes opened. To your son the Lord Jesus. And such a change was made in his life. And Lord, this morning we just thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus. The one who can make a change in our lives. Lord, we just pray that this morning might be opened to the love of that man, the Lord Jesus, your only son. Who you sent down to this earth for one reason. That he might become a sacrifice for us. A man who had nails hammered through his hands and his feet. A man who had a crown of thorns placed upon his head and a man who during three hours of darkness suffered for, for Dave Hall's sins, for Alistair's sins, for Matt and Laura's sins, for, for each person sat in Hope Church Gainsborough, for the sins of each one of us in this lovely building this morning, Lord. During three hours of darkness, you took the pain and suffering for those sins. And for that, Lord, this morning we are so thankful. And we just pray, Lord, that a change might be made in each of our lives. And that we, like Saul, might be enthused to be out there telling others. And that even though we might feel that we are unusable, that we we aren't the ones that can go out and share your word, Lord, with you behind us. Each one of us has the ability to tell others about that amazing Savior that can make such a change in each one of our lives. Lord, we just thank you for for this church and for the message of the Lord Jesus. Amen. This has been a podcast by Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk.